2: LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 375 of Linux in the Shack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the Internet and this is our short topics episode for tonight so we will have a lot of interesting short topics for you and uh, they're even interesting to me because i don't know what most of these are but <laughs> before we dive into that we should probably let you know who the crew of this show is i'm russ k5tux
0: i'm cheryl w5moo
1: and i'm bill any 4rd and because I'm feeling like I want to read the first one because it looks easy, I'm going to go ahead and read the first one. We're, we're into amateur radio topics, which is where we usually start. And, um, yeah, there was, there was one topic we could have put in for the lead topic, but I'm going to let that sleeping dog lie. So, <laughs> and, uh, only two people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, three, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, story for another day. Anyway, amateur radio topics first one is FCC moves across the street from NPR wanting to free up some real estate close to the freeway and water the FCC moved to be closer to the NPR headquarters I'm sure that wasn't the reason but for lack of better context for the story as explained in an order released on August 4th 2020 and published in the Federal Register on October 13th 2020 the FCC has amended its rules to reflect this new address that's in the rules, where they are? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, in doing so, redundant references to the FCC's address were deleted and replaced with a cross-reference to Section 0.401 of the Commission's rules. Nothing in the address change order or this public notice alters the Commission's current prohibition against the delivery of hand-carried documents to the FCC headquarters because of the COVID-19 pandemic. In addition, this public notice does not impact or change other ongoing COVID-19 restrictions or instructions regarding access to FCC facilities. So in other words, keep the F out. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the rules. Look it up. (laughs) So yeah, that came from the right from the horse's mouth, public notice from the FCC.
3: Yeah, you know, you know, it's a big news day when we're talking about the FCC moving and, uh, <laughs> yeah, change
1: redress. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it was, I was kind of looking at the map and uh, I was trying to see like, uh, who's their, who's their new neighbor? What, what's the point of this? And I was going to say Subway, but you know, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> Subway would have been
1: much better. Honestly. They were trying
3: to get those five dollar foot longs back. You know, so
1: <laughs> except they'd have to go across the street to get them because, you know, Subway can't bring them over. Because yeah. that's against the rules. Well, actually, right? I
3: think it's like right around. They're on the same block, on the same side of the street. So, uh, <laughs>
0: Jimmy John's could deliver that. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. no. Except, well, no. Except, it's except hand it delivered. Could, <laughs> it,
3: yeah, that would be hand delivered information too. Well, that's true. They'd yeah. have to keep the paper, but they could give them the sandwich. I think. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I <don't> know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's do this next one. The uh, AWRL logbook of the world harmonizes designation of FST four protocol. The Logbook of the World Committee uh, worked with a WSJTX developer, Joe Taylor, K1JT, to harmonize the designation of FST4 among WSJTX, the ADIF standard, and LOTW, and LOTW. Sorry, uh, this is the problem. Again, I was character turning before I could go there. <laughs> At present, <laughs> FST4 is only supported in a recently released beta version of WSJTX, which I believe is actually the RC build, not a beta, but whatever. <clears throat> tomato tomato uh the committee's action was to avoid the sort of confusion that cropped up a- among uh, lotw logging contacts when uh, ft4 when that protocol was first in- included in wsjtx in the case of fst4 the committee acted proactively to help users avoid difficulties and obtain the maximum number of contact matches because we're all right on top of this uh the ADF standard has been updated to support fst4 as a submode of mfsk And configuration file of config.xml for LOGW has been updated to version 11.13 accordingly to support FST4. Users will be offered the update when they run TQSL the next time. So there you go.
1: All right. Very good. Nice to have proactivity when necessary. So FST4. Definitely never use that. So I have to try it one of these days, I guess. I've, I've had my radio on six meters all day, and it's been
3: dead, 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 dead. I show there was an opening earlier today. I got an email.
1: Um, yeah, I, it was open for me for like two stations for about 12 minutes. So, uh, well, that that's kind of what it does right now. So
3: it'll yeah. just blurbs it'll just, whoop, open, closed,
1: open, closed. So <laughs> end of October, Halloween, you know, Frankenstein, death, uh, all that. So it's uh, very appropriate that six yeah. meters has no life. It's tricky. <laughs> uh, so glad I spent, you know eight hundred dollars on a radio so i could not use it (laughs) (laughs) well i have all the other bands so you know speaking of that where the hell is my rebate i (laughs) want my money back
3: Uh, i'll give you a ray novak's email (laughs) (laughs) a cell phone number
1: (laughs) i think they said it was like six to eight weeks or something like that so i think the i think we're still within that window
3: but oh okay yeah you just yeah you
1: haven't had it that long no i haven't so uh yeah so that means there's money coming to me that's always nice uh, so sliding deftly from amateur radio into open source. Let's talk about Debian donations for peer tube development. Uh, the Debian project is happy to announce a donation of 10,000 euros to help Framasoft reach the fourth stretch goal of its peer tube v3 crowdfunding campaign live streaming from June to November, 2020. Framasoft or Framasoft, I don't know, uh, will develop new features and improvements for peer tube. We, are, <laughs> we, who's we?
3: <laughs> the, the, the story? The story writers. Yeah. Debian.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have broken down this roadmap into four main steps. Oh, each- no, I take that back. This is PeerTube's explanation. So the voice would be from PeerTube themselves. Yeah. So sorry. Hey, <laughs> yeah, no problem. Cause like I said, no pre-reading. Uh, we have broken down this roadmap into four main steps, each with its own schedule and cost, leading to the addition of peer-to-peer powered live streaming to PeerTube v3. <laughs> These developments are funded by donations made to our small nonprofit organization, Framasoft. We will be raising funds progressively over the next six months of development so that you can help us in our efforts. Currently funded at 102%. Woo-hoo. Step one was 10,000 euros for global search. Step two was 20,000 euros for moderation. Step three was 40,000 euros for plugins and playlists. And Step four is 60,000 euros to include live streaming. Uh... What's the October through November thing?
3: Yeah, oh, that was the time period. Sorry oh, the I time didn't. period. Got it. I think. Uh, I think you had done something weird with the history of this because i cleared all that out before but whatever no i (laughs) i didn't touch this so oh well it was me maybe i messed it up (laughs) i thought i got rid of all that so
1: oh fine well you finish it off then because since it's like so weird there's even like a heart in the etherpad how the hell did that get in there there's like emojis it's
3: it's emojis in the etherpad how'd that uh, yeah so yeah they're in the live streaming they're adding uh so the limited or well our specifications are peer-to-peer with uh 30 seconds to uh, a minute worth of lag uh, which is typical when live streaming. You know, you could be anywhere from you know twenty to two minutes. <laughs> uh, no chat, no GIFs, no emojis. That's basically what the heart is. Uh, post live publishing. So basically, the same thing you'd get when you go to um, you know YouTube, and you can save the file as a uh, as a post afterwards. And then, of course, uh, to improve the UX and UI around that that uh, whole whole. S- Streaming setup and stuff like that. So that inside the show notes, you'll find links to both the Debian article explaining this, and of course the uh, PeerTube uh, um, V3 funding campaign uh, website landing page, or whatever you want to call it. But that's kind of cool that uh, PeerTube's getting that. I know I kind of played around with PeerTube probably uh, a couple. Uh, last year maybe I don't, I don't know I don't even remember now <laughs> but I, haven't, I haven't gone back to it uh, because of you know when you go to load a video it's like you basically are downloading it so it is kind of it was kind of clunky when when I first started using it and so I kind of just walked away from it. But, uh, you know, now that they, they're going to have live streaming and everything else, this is uh, this is going to get pretty interesting. And um, I might have to go back and look at the tool set.
1: Yeah, very good. And these, uh, let's see, I'm going to do the next one because the two after that have a lot of billisms. <laughs> and uh, Or at least um, you know the story better than I do because you're the one who found them. So yeah. um, I'm going to do this one about HashiCorp, announcing HashiCorp boundary. Uh, we, I'm assuming this is HashiCorp. Are pleased to announce HashiCorp Boundary, a new open source project that enables practitioners and operators to securely access dynamic hosts and services with fine-grained authorization without requiring direct network access. Boundary is designed to grant access to critical systems using the principle of least privilege, solving challenges organizations encounter when users need to securely access applications and machines. Ah, just give them all root. That's fine. <laughs> uh, traditional products that, no problem there, right? No security issues? None at all. Traditional products that grant access to systems are cumbersome. Yeah, looking at you, SC Linux. Uh, painful to maintain or are black boxes lacking extensible APIs. Boundary allows authentication and authorized users to access secure systems in private networks without granting access to the larger network where those systems reside. Isn't this like sudo?
3: <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's much more than that. And if you go and check out the source and the website, it's, uh, it's actually kind of interesting. I mean, if you, you obviously manage lots of systems and stuff like that, but you know that like as soon as you get past a certain point, you sort of have the keys to the kingdom because you're inside of like the back net of the entire network. <laughs> basically,
1: basically if you're connected to the console, you have the keys to the kingdoms. <laughs> yeah. And you
3: know, that's kind of like what they're saying. Like, you know, you give somebody a VPN access. Now they kind of can snoop the entire VPN network, but like they might only need like access to this one application on this one box that's inside the VPN. Why give them access to everything else when you can just give them the access that they need to actually access the application. Um, outside of having to have everything else so if you check out the website they kind of explain it in in greater detail and show various scenarios in which this particular product works really well and the nice part about this product of course it is open source <laughs> and you could check out exactly how it works and look how uh, you could use it to implement some kind of a advanced and extensible security system for uh for your machines that uh, you organize or maintain
1: well, I might take a look at it, but there is a sort of axiom in the, in the world of security where greater complexity and, or greater power comes with greater complexity. So, <laughs> um, I'm willing to bet this is non-trivial to deploy. So, um, I'll, I'll see what kind of documentation they've got. It might be interesting to look at.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And the license on it is Mozilla public license too. So.
1: Well, we don't talk about MPL very often, do we? It's usually like uh, MIT, BSD, GPL, and Apache. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, MPL. Yeah, that doesn't show up a lot. So interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of an interesting choice of a license. I always try to look for that when I go looking for source and stuff like that. So, yeah, <clears throat> something new. Yeah, very cool. All right, so... Talk about Rust. Okay, I'm off to the races on these. Uh, so uh, <laughs> this one I, I almost dropped because I have the next one story, but I still thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, Rusty Linux. Rusty Linux. Now, this is not a distribution. This is basically it's a simple script to install basic Rust apps as alternatives to the default ones. Why? Most Linux tools are written in C and C++ for performance and history reasons. This language is still very popular, or these languages are still very Popular, but I know from experience that it is easy to make a mistake in it, which results in memory integrity violations, often resulting in a program shutdown or even worse, data corruption or leaks. One of the potential solutions to these problems is to use the Rust language, providing comparable performance, offering elimination of many types of typical bugs already at the compilation stage. And uh, this uh, particular script installs. Uh, a lot of replacements for like ls, sed, vim, core tools, uh, cat, grep, you know, disk use, uh, find, locate, curl, ps, top, uh, all those kind of utilities. Uh, so inside the the link, uh, the links in the show notes is the link to the Reddit thread. Yes, I found this on Reddit. Sorry, uh, and the link to the repo. But uh, I, I read some of the comments in the Reddit thread, and it also kind of got me to uh, a landing page called Awesome Rust. And this is kind of like uh, the awesome self-hosted page and the awesome blah, blah, blah page that is just a GitHub page with links to a bunch of references to other things that are uh, also interesting. And uh, so, yeah, so check out the awesome Rust link, and that's also in GitHub. And you can kind of see what uh, a bunch of other things you can do with uh, Rust-driven
1: programs on your Linux box. All right so everybody make sure to put on your tie dyes for the next one <laughs> tie dyes yeah
3: <laughs> so this should this is kind of a flash topic but it's also a little longer cuz I did play with it um, Ubuntu Linux 20.10 Groovy Gorilla is here with renewed Raspberry Pi focus. Uh, Mark Shuttleworth, uh, CEO at Canonical, explains, in this release, we celebrate the Raspberry Pi's foundation, foundation's commitment to put open computing into the hands of people all over the world. We are honored to support that initiative by optimizing Ubuntu on Raspberry Pi, whether for personal use, educational purposes, or as a foundation for their next business venture. Canonical shares, on the top of Raspberry Pi desktop support, Ubuntu 20.10 includes GNOME 3.38, which tweaks the app's grid, removes the frequency tab, and allows apps to be ordered and organized however users prefer. The battery percentage display toggle has been exposed in the power settings. Private Wi-Fi hotspots can be shared using uniquely generated QR codes. And a restart option has been added to the status menu next to Log Off Power Off or Log Out Power Off. Yeah, Ubuntu 2010 comes with the GNOME 3.38 by default, the absolute best desktop environment.
1: Okay, well, that's debatable. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
3: I groovy. can't believe you read that and I like,
1: like vomit or something.
3: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, vomited in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Groovy Gorilla has a, has a modern Linux kernel 5.8, and the operating system is chock full of great pre-installed software, such as Firefox. Oh, first thing I uninstall. Um, Firefox 81, LibreOffice 702. Uh, Thunderbird 78 point three point two of course there are countless other great applications you can install yourself uh, the kernel 5.8 provides some wonderful additions to uh, 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 wonderful additions as listed below so so everybody look down okay there it is yeah <laughs> airtime queue limits for better Wi-Fi connectivity quality or connection quality uh, b- bitter butter FS right butter FS raid one with three and four copies and more checksum alternatives USB 4. Thunderbolt 3 protocol support added, X86 enable 5-level paging support by default, Intel Gen 11, or sorry, yeah, Gen 11 Ice Lake and Gen 12 Tiger Lake graphic support. Uh, initial support for the AMD Family 19H, that's Zen 3. Uh, thermal pressure tracking for systems, blah, blah, blah. You know, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so this is, remember, this is... This is not the LTS build. This is not something you want to upgrade to if you are an LTS user wanting to stay on the LTS track. These are the six-month builds that come out every six months, <laughs> and that's all the support they get. So you do not go throw this on your server unless it's a throwaway server that you don't really care about. Um, you just want to play with it because it's a, you know it's on a desktop, whatever. Hey, do it. It's fine. It's kind of fun to test it because you know eventually this stuff and the stuff they do in these uh, 6 months month builds do eventually make it to the next lts build um obviously any security stuff handled in this are always back patched anyway to uh to the lts so the lts is always secure well within reason (laughs) 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 um yeah so this uh this came from a beta news article and i did uh, get a chance to download it and uh run it uh in a VM just real quick to kinda take a look at it. And yeah, there's this creepy gorilla with glasses looking at you on their bat on their <laughs> installer and on their uh wallpaper. And of course it's purpley and pink and stuff like that. So, you know, you know, pretty typical colors that we've kind of come accustomed to since like, you know, dingo whatever. What was that one? Dingo dung? Dingo dung? Whatever is that? <laughs> I'm just gonna let you During flounder dingo, around it, something too. I can't even remember what it was. Um so I didn't install the um uh, Ham Radio Pure Blend stuff and installed the WSJTX out of their repo just to see what version was there. And for the 20.10, they actually do have 2.2.2 in there, which, of course, is an upgrade from the 2.1.2 that we see in the LTS. Um, so I did uninstall the, uh, that after I tested that out, got rid of WSJTX and WSJTX data, because it, of course, had the same problem that mine did. I had to get rid of the data so I could replace the icon on the desktop when I installed the dev package for the RC1 build of 2.3.0. Um, so yeah, yeah, you could use this as a daily driver. Um, runs really nice. I, I didn't notice any, like, spectacular stuff in it, because, a, I I don't use the uh the default <laughs> UI. Uh so I really can't say much about that. <laughs> um I, I normally use uh budgie on mine, so um but yeah, yeah, and everything worked uh yeah you know, fantastically. I didn't didn't have any problems at all. Um you know, I'd give it a you know the typical Ubuntu four point five or better uh, lhs score so yeah definitely could could use this as a shack computer pretty easy um yeah I, I think we'll leave it at that um I'm, I'm not gonna upgrade to it i'm actually waiting for fedora 33 myself
1: oh no you you <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: welcome to the dark side luke <laughs> yeah
3: you know i was uh, i was on fedora for quite a while then when uh,
1: 2004 came
3: out i went to that and i think i'm I think I'm done with it now. <laughs> re- ready to change something again, and I'm like, "Oh, Fedora 33 is coming out. I'll go full butter, yeah, you know, butter FS. Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> this computer's got a few more, you know, a few more laps left on its legs, so might as well uh, do another install.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to Linux in the ham shack, And while you are sort of on a roll with distributions, I'll take the story after this one, but you can talk about something we have touched on before, but there's a new release, so...
3: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. This is uh, Dragon OS, Focal... uh, Obviously, Focal Fossa, um, uh, release four. I'm disappointed
1: they went with Focal Fossa because I was just thinking that they should have gone with something (laughs) like Fascinating Flounder. (laughs) Because I want to see a fish on my desktop. Have they done fish? I don't think they've done a single fish. I can't recall... Anyway,
3: so, yeah, this was uh, Dragon OS was last featured here back on episode 338. Um, Dragon OS Focal is an out-of-the-box Lubuntu 2004-based x86-64 operating system for anyone interested in software-defined radios. And I think that's why we looked at it last time. And last time it was based on 1804. So this is the all-new shiny lts Build uh, current LTS build. Uh, all source software is uh, located in the user source directory. Uh, while the remaining software was installed by package managers. This is a brief summary of the software included. While not complete, it covers the bigger name packages and some of the drivers installed for the various supported SDRs, such as the HackRF One RTL SDR and Lime SDR. <clears throat> some of the packages. Uh, that, uh, that it has there, of course, is the Universal Radio Hacker, GNU Radio, Aircrack NG not sure that's ham radio but whatever GQRX <laughs> calibrate hackrf wire share GRGSM RTL SDR hackrf IMSI catcher zenmap in spectrum uh q spectrum analyzer analyzer LTE cell scanner cubic SDR lime suite shiny SDR SDR angel so we've talked about that one SDR trunk kismet blade RF and of course q radio link so i did a uh, uh, of course Boot this one up as well. Um, installs fine. Um, I'm, I'm thinking there was something goofy. What did I. There was something goofy between the two. I'm trying to remember because I did both of these back to back. Of course, this was at Lubuntu, so it was a little different. Uh, simplified start menu and stuff like that. Um, very Windows XP feeling type setup. Um, not, that's not a. Not not an insult or anything. This <laughs> is very simple Windows, like like Ubuntu is, um, and uh, you know Xfce is basically the same way. You know, very simple windowing interface with the start menu and everything else. Uh, the only thing I didn't see on here specifically was like some extra ham radio software, so it definitely was not installed via the ham radio Pure Blend. Uh, Gpredict was on there but uh, a lot of the other stuff wasn't, but you can obviously install the ham radio pure blend packages, which might move around some of the menuing items because it does add the, uh, ham radio, uh, menu item or menu folder and it tends to move uh, some of the apps around. So they have the apps organized in a certain way. So I have a feeling if you did that, it would, it would definitely change that. I didn't test that out, but I'm just thinking in my head out loud <laughs> in theory that would happen oh i remember yeah so this is actually back on the other one uh, the 20.10 i think this is the first time i've seen in the installer when you build your user account when you're doing the install it had an option of uh an active directory user
1: yeah, I don't re- I don't recall that from uh, other Ubuntu installs. And yeah, why don't. would you want to use that thing? I mean, unless you <laughs> unless you have like a Samba AD server or something.
3: Well, I mean, you could have a, a mixed hybrid network where you're running, you know, maybe some Ubuntu servers inside of, um, you know, an ADS or Active Directory server managed network
1: yeah what a shame if you do <laughs> <laughs> well
3: you gotta virtualize all those windows boxes on something you know <laughs> Yeah, well, <fair> enough. <laughs> sure and heck doesn't run one windows that well um but <laughs> um yeah so that was um I, I know it's on the previous story but that 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 was the thing i saw that was different and I haven't seen that in any build. And I, obviously I didn't see that in this one because this is based on 2004. Um, but yeah, it looked pretty cool. Um, it looked good before, you know, so, I mean, if you're into SDR and you want to have everything kind of already pre-installed and, and, and kind of pre-worked out, cause, you know, we know that SDR angel was kind of a bit of a push to get installed unless you want the snap package, but I didn't think the snap package was quite updated there might be a flat pack. And I'm not sure. I didn't look exactly to see how this was installed on some of the more complex packages that you don't see like a deb for. Um, but anyway, it's already there. So if you want to mess around with your SDR and use this, um, check it out. And this also, the last item I mentioned, Q Radio Link, which is what Russ is going to talk about next, is kind of like the, the story that brought me back to seeing that Dragon OS got an update. So over to you,
1: Russ. <laughs> all right, very week. good. And uh, since you talked about Dragon OS, which is an SDR-focused distribution, we've uh, touched on some SDR applications on the program, but certainly not all of them. And one of the ones we haven't touched on, which is apparently a, a key component of Dragon OS, is QRadioLink, which is a GNU Linux multimode SDR transceiver application using the Internet for VOIP communication. Built on top of GNU Radio, which allows experimenting with software-defined radio hardware using different digital and analog radio signals, and a Qt5 user interface. Its primary purpose is educational, demonstrating radio communications to children at schools, but it can also be customized for low-power data communications on various ISM frequency bands. It can also be used as an amateur radio SDR transceiver for experimentation. Possible applications for Q Radio Link are ISM Band Com, Raspberry Pi Hobby RF Com, Radio Over IP, Internet Linking of Semi Duplex or Full Duplex Remote Radio Nodes, and Home Root Radio Hotspot for digital voice modes and amateur radio bands. So, yeah. And I'm assuming
3: I- you didn't get a chance to
1: look at this. No, this is one of the things I wanted to get a look at, but of course we had something to do, so I didn't get a chance to. So.
3: <laughs> well, I would highly recommend taking a look at this. I'm um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if I would use it per se, but um, you might want to look at it because Q Radio Link is is pretty slick. And there's actually some guy did a video just a day or two ago on YouTube on it, and uh, was using Dragon OS and was showing this. But uh, basically it allows you also to connect your SDR to a Mumble server, and you can actually use the Mumble server to not only just transmit the audio from one, one, um, one to the next, <laughs> one, one, yeah, one one client to another client computer. Um, obviously, you can also transmit directly in the channel. And then I also saw some PTT options and stuff like that kind of built into the interface as well. So I'm assuming that this also allows you – to possibly do those transceiver things, be able to hook a PTT to it oh, and, and use Mumble in between your SDR, presumably a transceiver, <laughs> not an RTL-SDR, which is just a receiver, uh, using Mumble as a kind of like a remote uh, remote control, remote receiver. Just straight up deal.
1: Mumble or like Mumble RF
3: or what? Uh, it was using, uh, uh, I think uh, uh, Dragon OS comes with a build of Mumble called you Murmur. Micro murmur, I'm assuming. Anytime you put a U in front of us, something, it normally means micro murmur. <laughs> right. So murmur is the server. And uh, I don't think it's the RF one specifically. But it has like like the client inside. So like this has a built-in client. Q radio Link has a built-in client for connecting to Mumble. And it has some of the trickery in there for it. So I'm assuming some of that is client control. Since you're 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 connecting with QRadioLink Link locally to your rig. So your your SDR box plugs into one computer running Q radio link. You connect it to Mumble and then with whatever options and then you go out to the interwebs <laughs> another computer connects to it using q radio link so you're still using the same software so, you see
1: where I'm going with that? Yeah, I, I get, I get where you're going with it.
3: Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's using that as the transport medium. I don't know if that's just for audio. I didn't go into it deep enough to look at it, but when I saw the video, which was really short, um, but it showed that kind of, you know, he pulled up and was, you know, pulled up an FM station, whatever, NPR or whatever, and, uh, you know, got onto another computer. He had like two side by side laptops and, yeah, you could do it right over top of, um, you can hear, the radio station <laughs> right through uh through the mumble connection and uh yeah so anyway it's kind of interesting to look at i think we should probably take a a, a deeper look at that particular application as i think uh it's probably be of interest to people because um, yeah i haven't seen this one before and uh it looks interesting
1: yeah it definitely does look interesting i wish i had had a chance to look at it earlier so i'd Know a little more about it, but we could always, if it, if it truly turns out to be that interesting, we can always do a deep dive on it. So that would be cool.
3: Yeah, sounds good.
1: Uh, if not, we can always just uh, do sort of a, a half dive or, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Tiptoe in the shallow end.
3: Yeah, right. that's shallow end or what? <laughs> that's like what we normally do in our deep dives. The they end up
2: lasting
1: an hour and a half. <laughs> a
0: dive through the kiddie pool. There you go. so
1: All right so that means we have no more topics we've somehow managed to come all the way down to the end of the topics which means the show's almost over but before it's over we need to do a little bit of rounding up so cheryl is going to take us through that social media roundup and i'm going to take a quick look over at the chat room see if anybody's really talking about anything doesn't look like it it's a bunch of random comments and we'll get to the folks in the chat room here in a minute, but let's find out who has been supporting the show over the past week or two weeks and who has been uh, joining our social media circles.
0: All then. So for our Patreons, we have John Spriggs, Robert Pitts, Douglas Redder, David Jaquay, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Costales, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rullo, Donald Gover. Herb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. For our subscriptions, we have Michael Berdak, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coberly, Ronald Icke, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spots, Fred Cole, Bill Piotr, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor. Dylan Angle, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman For Facebook, we had Sven Fedrickson, Igor Zayed. I'm assuming that's possibly pronounced right.
1: And, and I did the work of converting that from the Cyrillic before you had to read it. So. Thank you. <laughs>
0: uh, Ian Wilton and Tom, t- excuse me, Tim Childers. I
1: think I typoed the first one. I think it's and not not fedrickson so I, I threw the r in there <laughs> okay
0: thank you too late
1: no i mean uh, not not your fault at all totally yeah, mine so, uh for so sorry svend yeah there is a d on it though i know i know lots of Svens, but no svends uh, so that's a new one to me but anyway
0: uh, you and your speech, swedish background so there you go uh for twitter we had at ram ramsh kumark <laughs> yeah i'm Get, I'm trying to
1: take, make a word out of it, right? Yeah, something. It's probably, it's probably Ramesh Kumar <laughs> or something like that. Yeah,
0: something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So something
1: vaguely Indian, Pakistani, some something. Something, yeah. Something Middle Eastern, yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe. So, and at RN newbie fifty two on YouTube, we had Bartos uh, Zubiedniewicz and Z04blue. No one joined us on the mailing list. And Michael Burdack bought something.
1: Stickers. 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 Yeah,
0: everybody, everybody likes the stickers.
1: <laughs> everybody does seem to like the stickers, so that's very cool. So we want to thank Bill for making those stickers and for. Woo-hoo. Maybe good- maybe there'll be more stickers someday or patches. Yeah, I still have someday. the the 3D ones too.
3: I oh, should probably right. send you some of
1: those. 3D <laughs> yeah. or or wow. at least uh, send me a picture of one so I can put it on the website. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, white
0: and Bill can trip about for his. List. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that would be very fair, but uh, yeah, if you want to, if you want to uh, send me some of those, I will put them on the website so that we can tell them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Very good. Oh, and I see that Richard popped up in the chat room, so we put him in the list. So, all right. So with that, we have come down to the end of the show. And with that, we want to make sure we let people know who was in the chat room tonight. And I think I got everybody. I don't think I missed anyone who was in there. Um, I'm about to start reading. So if you're in here and we don't know it, <laughs> Speak up like now. wave or something <laughs> or, you know, do the happy dance or <laughs> the chicken dance, dance or something uh but here we go we had gene bx8aad don kc9zmy don kb2ysi tony k4xss ted wa0eir and richard kb5jbv so thanks everybody for joining us in the chat room tonight and we hope you all have a good week try out some of these new things check out some of the topics all the links to additional information if there was any will be in the show notes so make sure you go to lhspodcast.info to find out all of that and uh join us next time around for our deep dive episode should be interesting we hope you'll be there for that so let's go ahead and wrap up episode number 375 of Linux in the Hamtack I'm Russ K5TUX
0: I'm Cheryl W5MOO
1: and I'm Bill NE4RD73